Good evening. I'm Maniacal Mike. <laughs> and I am Justin Devilish DeClue. And it is the final show of the month of Shocktober. Oh, well, you said the final show and people are going to be like, wait, wait, is this the last episode of the Very Fine Comic Podcast? No, not until we're in our grave. <laughs> Sooner than later. Well, we all die. I hope not. Yeah, please, no. Hashtag everything dies. Everything dies. To quote Reed Richards. Um, so we are going to talk in this upcoming double episode mm -hmm. about the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror comic books. Double episode? You mean double size? No, no, no. This is just an episode split down the middle because we need your time because currently we're not charging you any money for this. Mm -hmm. So Treehouse of Horror is one of my favorite things when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, I kind of fell away from it, but I'm very glad we're able to talk about it today. And when Mike said two episodes, I was like, Ugh, two episodes, we could probably fill three or four. We episodes. really could. Yeah. These are, well, A, dense comics. Mm -hmm. The writing and paneling and everything is so compressed and dense in a good way. Uh, the... Comics are oversized for the first couple of issues. They're maybe like 28 pages and then they jump up to like 48. Yeah. 50, uh, I think up to 60 wow. of content and some of them I counted and I, I think the total was something like 1,340 pages of Whew. comics I read for this episode. Do you know how high though the uh, <laughs> Simpsons comics went up to? They went almost to 300 issues. There's so many issues of those. And well, that, I mean, I think maybe only like really crappy yeah. Bugs Bunny Gold Key comics went up that high. Speaking of Gold Key, mm -hmm. we're going to talk about what we've been reading, or specifically, I'm going to talk about what I've been reading because I want to highlight that I visited Vancouver. All right, I'm going to stop doing all the spooky Vancouver. Oh, <laughs> and uh, Emily's parents were very nice to drive me down to let me go see some used record stores or used bookstores and beside one of the book scores I can't <laughs> uh, was eighth dimension comics which oh i've been there fortunately it's closing down oh i didn't know that yeah so uh, uh they have a closing down in the window thing and i actually asked them can we wait around like a half an hour till they open up i want to go see what they have it looks like they have stuff on the shelves mm -hmm. and i want to check it out and i went in i talked to the guy who runs it he was very nice and i basically looked around i was like what do they got and it's a classic like closing down sale but it's been pretty picked through already if you know mm -hmm. what that looks like yeah yeah you need to really be there on the first day when stuff like that happens i feel even though you wonder can i wait and get more discounts uh, when we went in emily was like oh okay so we're gonna go and just let you browse and we'll be back in how much time do you need i was like oh half an hour being a uh, very conservative and she was like half an hour how about 10 minutes and i was like 10 minutes i got no time <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were gonna say the reverse like justin we all know you need two hours here mm-hmm yeah. And so didn't have time to flip through. They had lots of long boxes, but I went up on their wall of like hardcover stuff and I picked up the Dark Horse Archive reprints of something that I made fun of a couple episodes ago because we said, oh, gold key comics, boo. Mm -hmm. But they had the hardcover of the Occult Files of Dr. Spectre Volume 3. And this was one of the original characters. Yes, from that they created. Gold Key. And what's really cool about this is that it was written by Donald Glutt. And I was like, who is Donald Glutt? That name seems really familiar to me. Me. Does that ring any bells to you? He's probably responsible for a glut of Gold Key comics. Uh, he was very active 
all over the place. Mm. Uh, Gold Key, he tried to kind of carve his own niche in. I knew his name because he has a two to special edition of like short films he made while he was in L.A. Oh, wow. He also made a film. It's like Women of Dinosaur Valley or something like that. It's a real low budget film, but he was just kind of one of the guys that was around. And this is a Dark Horse book and he does the intro to it. It's so good explaining his process and stuff like that. I picked up volume three of the book, which I was like, oh, I want volume one, but they only have volume three. But what's cool about this is volume three is when he finally is allowed to create a little bit of continuity with what's going on. Oh, interesting. Because Gold okay. Key, he says in the intro, did not want continuity to the point that there's no numbers on the covers of Gold Key Comics. What? Yeah. So it's really? supposed to be, yep. Okay. And like, look, see, like, uh, I guess there is, you know, you know what? The they probably blacked out. it out in this trade. Yeah. And uh. something else that was really cool is that it was all drawn by the same person. I think that okay. like when I look at titles, coherency in artist writer teams really interests me mm. because it's like, how do you evolve from that point? And yeah, so that was really cool. Love the intro. Really a, a like a doorway into this kind of stuff. And Glut says in the intro that like he was really trying to inject the comic with continuity, including an issue where he brings back, oh, what is his name? Uh, the superhero that was a gold key. Dr. Solar? Dr. Solar. Man of the Atom. But Dr. Solar had been canceled forever by that point. So he wow. brings him back in a really weird way, including that gold key for some reason had like like three, four Conan ripoffs, and some of them show up in the uh, issues as well. I'm just reading here that George Lucas was a big fan and asked him to write the novelization of A New Hope. Yes, but uh, Donald Glut was a very prolific novelization. Yeah. No Alan Dean Foster, of course. No, no. He, he Glut turned it down, though, but then Glut wrote the novelization of Empire. Yes, that's because Alan Dean Foster wrote the... Uh, what could have been the premise for a sequel of Star Wars. Did you ever hear about Splinter that? Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Yes, yes. yes. Where it's like on one fog-filled planet so they could cut down on the budget. Mm -hmm. Like an N64 game. Exactly. <laughs> uh, some other stuff that I picked up, Scary Stories for Kids, Spook House. This is an anthology series that Eric Powell did. Have you ever read Goon Comics? Uh, yeah, I've read a couple of the Goon Comics. And Goon uh, Comics. Eric Powell did a really cool, bizarro arc in uh, action comics mm. at some point too i highly recommend he has a very uh, specific style and they also mm -hmm. had a standee and the guy was very honest with me he's like listen i can't give you a discount on these books because they were closing down it was like 40 percent off everything or something yeah, like yeah. that where they had tons of bad idea comics which i talked about in a few episodes ago they're impossible to get mm -hmm. because of the way that they publish it and uh yeah the comic book shop owner not very pleased either with uh, the way kind of bad idea does what they do well it's they're right there in the name yeah that's that's uh part of their mo it's their business model. <laughs> but the best comic i got was the um christopher gage uh, monster Kill Squad about like a team of monster hunters. Really great comic mm. that no one can read. Very frustrating. Oh, <laughs> I also picked up, this was like, I'm like scanning the books. I'm like, oh man, Emily's gonna come back any second now. I gotta find something. They had the Dylan Dog, The Long Goodbye that was published a few years ago, which I remember picking up at the time and going, ah, this is new Dylan Dog comics. Incorrect. This is a classic Dylan Dog comic. Unfortunately, colored in... It colored, which I would prefer not to, but... Yeah. Hey, uh, you know what? I like the that they haven't colored over all of the ink lines. There no, was bits where I saw like some bits of hashing on the side of someone's face. I think that's really good. This is one of the most famous Dylan Dog comics, which makes sense why they would republish it. Okay. What's this... weird about it is there's not really any monsters in it. It's mm. actually Dylan Dog reconnecting with an old love... Could she be dead? Yeah, it's so obvious from page two, but... I'm okay with that, because in, in all the Dylan Dog we read, I loved him as a character. Yeah. Like, I don't need to have it and it's about hinge on the monster. Kid and how he got to where he... And it's, like, very surreal. Oh. And wow. Like I said in our Dylan Dog episode, I love how these are long, so it oftentimes reaches the point where a normal story would end, but then finds different things to do in it in mm. an interesting way. Mm. So, yeah. Who I did really the like uh, new covers on these reprints? I don't know. It, uh, cover artist... 
Marco Mastrazzo, regular edition, Welby varied edition. I okay. Yeah, I don't know them. Is. Amazing cover and the like single issue covers inside. Mm-hmm. So I was really happy that I could find this. Yeah. Most of the comics that I talked about, unfortunately, are really out of print, like this Dylan Dog one, mm-hmm. especially these Dark Horse reprint archives. It's weird that they go out of print and they're like, $150 now if you want them. Even when this came out yeah. five years ago, this was $54. Wow. Like, well, you know what? Maybe these things go in waves. Maybe in another like 10 years, someone will uh, look at the going rates on eBay for Dylan Dog comics and then think, you know, now's a good time to do this. Because I read that someone at Marvel was doing that mm-hmm. uh, about 10 years ago for the sake of like seeing, hey, what demand is there for this reprint? Like what weird well, thing do those is ma- going for hundreds of dollars? Marvel masterworks, right? Mm-hmm. Like small ones. Didn't we talk about this on an episode? We did, yeah. The fact that they're, they're hundreds of dollars. Yeah. They're not even oversized. But the reason for that is they do that to pay for cleaning up, rescanning these comics mm-hmm. that they then included omnibuses. Right, right. Uh, do you have any Marvel? Ma- I've only got the ones I get for cheap at used uh, stores. Yeah, every now and then I'll find one for like $10 remainder and, and those are fun to get. Yep. All right, so we need to jump right into Treehouse of Horror because we're we going to have a lot to talk about. So Treehouse of Horror... Do you remember when you picked up the first issue? Were you a Simpson comic book reader? Uh, scattered issues at the start. My sister and I were Simpson maniacs. We were watching it from, uh, well, I guess it started as a, like a mid-season replacement because the Christmas episode, Ch- uh, Simpsons Roasting an Open Fire, was like in December. Uh, here I get to put my Simpson uh, expert hat on. Okay. So basically Simpson was not designed to open with the Christmas special. Okay. The first few episodes that came back were so bad mm. that they had to send them back and then play one that they were happy with. I didn't know that. So the, okay. the season one uh, ender, which is the Babysitter Bandit, was the first episode they received. Mm-hmm. They hated it. Oh, wow. They hated it so much because the cartoonists, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, uh, Klasky Chupo, they added gags and made it very cartoony, which is not what they wanted. Mm. Uh, if you look at the first season of the DVDs, you can watch... Um, some scenes from the like pilot and uh, there's commentary. And at one point James L. Brooks leaves the room. He's like, I just can't watch. Oh my God. They thought the show was over. Yeah. I'd love to hear those. But yeah, the Simpsons, uh, it kind of blew up really fast too. Yeah. And it was interesting how all the merch up front was predominantly based on, no, not even, it was based on Tracy Ullman shorts. Mm. So if you bought the Simpsons trading card set that was available, like well on into around season one, the art looked weird because it was all based on the Tracy Ullman shorts. Mm-hmm. And you'd see a lot of things that were it's like, why not? there's a lot of happy little elves in these cards. Oh, that's the I thing. Re- it was happy <laughs> little elves. Or like the Konami Simpsons video game mm-hmm. is like a lot of, wait, why is this character that was in the background of a scene, the boss at the end of this level? Like yeah, what's going yeah. on? You want to hear a really funny uh, piece of trivia is that Matt Groening, I couldn't even say his name right. Matt Groening? Groening, you got it. Yeah. Why, I've said his name at least a hundred times. He... Uh, wanted a gag that at one point Marge's hair would be cut off and it would be revealed that she had bunny ears like the Life in Hell characters. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that never made it to the show, but it did in the video game where there's something that can happen that her hair gets cut off to reveal... Oh, no, it's when she gets electrocuted. Oh, God, of course. She has bunny ears. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so forgot about that. They were probably just working with materials that were like, oh, here's a the Bible. Yeah. And like a lot of stuff did not continue into what we consider classic Simpsons. Mm-hmm. And so did you read the comics as well when they started? Well, what year did the comics itself start? Because the trio's okay. a horse started in 95 so, so the Simpsons was around for like started with a magazine called Simpson Illustrated okay that was magazine format had interviews with the yes crew, but it also 
also had oh, comics inside of it. It definitely got several yes. of those. Yeah. And eventually they did like an annual, like all comics issue. Mm. And one of the creative uh, directors there, Bill Morrison, we're going to talk about him a lot more. He went, comics are just more fun. Can we just do a comic book? Mm-hmm. And Matt Groening was like, yep. And so Matt Groening signed a wild contract with Fox, which is like, he's basically in charge of most of the merchandise. And because of that, he was able to break off like uh, book publishing stuff and it all goes to him. And so he's wow. in complete creative control of Bongo Comics. Now, was this one of those like, you know, uh, never seen again sweetheart deals where yes. they didn't think it would be, they didn't think have it legs as much deal. as it did. Yeah. Okay. That's why, and I don't really like this, that every piece of Simpson memorabilia has Matt Groening's name on it. In like, that Walt Disney style. Like a signature? Yeah, you've never oh. noticed that? No, I don't have any merch. Every, I'm not a big like look, toy look or merch cover. person. Matt Groening did not draw this cover. Yeah, His yeah. name is on there. Okay. His signature is on every, every toy, wow. everything. If the Simpsons are mentioned, Matt Groening's name is going to be on it. I've never noticed that. Yeah, yeah. and um, it's just the deal that he made. It almost okay. sounds like it's the kind of deal you make like as a joke. Like, oh, yeah. I want my name to be on everything Simpsons related. At least you can That's see true. that it's Matt Groening and not Walt Gisnep. Hey, now you're saying Matt Groening, too. <laughs> Matt Groening for the, uh, you know, the classic Halloween, Halloween name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so they started with Simpson comic. And what I didn't know is that they started with a wave of four where they Whoa. did uh, Simpson comics number one, Radioactive Man, mm-hmm. Itchy and Scratchy comics, and Bartman. Yeah, I had several of each of those. Yeah. And I remember as a kid, I wanted them so bad. Mm-hmm. Now- Simpsons, for a while, were banned in my house. Mm. I believe probably post-divorce, okay. my mom, being a very exhausted mother who like worked such late shifts, would be dropped off at like 5.30 in the morning at a uh, babysitter and then picked up at like 6.30 usually when her shift would end. Mm-hmm. She went like, I cannot police the stuff that they watch. And they love The Simpsons so much that we will allow them to watch Simpsons cartoons. And eventually, I've mentioned this before, comics were banned. I could also get Simpsons comics here or there because Simpsons comics were very present on the wire racks at uh, shoppers and mm. stuff like that. So that's how I could get them here or there. So they were in the like the you know periodical market yes. in addition to just comic shops. They weren't like very just very direct market. Okay. Basically. Yeah, yeah. And the ones that I treasured the most were the Treehouse of Horrors because I was a, a horror kid. Mm-hmm. Like I, the idea of Treehouse of Horror, my favorite Simpson episodes when I was a kid, and also the Simpsons thing that made my mom go, maybe she they shouldn't be watching this anymore because mm-hmm. at the beginning of a couple of episodes, Marge would come out in front of that red curtain and she'd say, "This is a little adult." If there's any kids in the room, they shouldn't watch. My mom took this to heart and turned the TV <laughs> off. That you can't watch this, even though I was so excited. Oh, no. I was yeah. so excited. You mentioned that in a previous episode, and yeah. I actually forgot till right now. Then the next year, it seems like it's the same intro. And then Marge says, "Well, you didn't listen to me last last year. time." Yeah, yeah. And it seems yeah. kind of like a joke that she. But my mom actually took it to heart. So hilariously, Simpsons was briefly banned in our house, but not from the beginning. My mom was totally fine with yeah. us watching it. You know, and she it saw bits so and bobs. We had so much merch. The like one episode soft. that did it, though. Yeah. Because it was such a mature and dark and depressing episode is when Homer and Marge go to the counseling retreat and Homer abandons her to go catch that giant fish. Yes. General, what was it? General Sherman? General right. Sherman. That yeah, has yeah. a joke and that I utilized. And she just thought it was really cruel and yeah. like harsh. And she's like, I-, I don't think I want you guys watching this. Every uh, time someone goes, oh, I'm doing this very uh, difficult thing or I need to impress these people. I'm like... Why Why do you care about who do you impress? You're like, oh, I'm doing it for the weirdos at the fish store. Yeah. Like, that's such a good like analogy of like, why are you doing like who like unless it's your friends yeah. that you want to do it with? Like you don't need to impress anybody. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah that first season is very rough, as has been said a million mm-hmm. times, but great episodes. So your mom didn't do it. because You were probably a little bit older, right? So you weren't like. You were probably 11, 12 when The Simpsons started? 1989, yeah, yeah, right around there. 
And so I was younger. So maybe my mom like, I don't want uh, Justin going around saying eat my shorts or anything like that, I guess. Or yeah. the fact that like Bart would say like bastard or damn and things like well, that. That was a big thing in the news where it's like, oh, Bart Simpson is teaching kids to be disrespectful. Like you can find so many like old news articles and uh, yeah. news clips about that. And too. it's, it's like, ridiculous. oh, yeah, kids weren't disrespectful before that. Like yeah. Dennis the Menace, he was the, the true terror back in the day. Yeah, I remember at the time being like, what universe do we live in where they think we're all Stepford children that are yeah. now being like transformed by Bart Simpson mm -hmm. I don't get it and eventually I got back to it I could watch it and I was a religious viewer like I would do the thing where at 5 p.m. Uh, there would be multiple channels playing The mm -hmm. Simpsons at once and I would like flip between them like trying to decide which episode that I want to watch and I'd seen them all like a million times I had the episode guide that I would go through and like read and like I remember once I was at a summer camp and the summer camp counselor was like oh yeah lots of jokes that you probably won't get until you're older and I was like I get them all I have the episode guide <laughs> But then if you listen to the uh, Talking Simpsons podcast, which is one of my favorite, uh, you do not get every reference because a lot of them are very topical and like in the moment that it was created <laughs> and wow. that they do a lot of research to figure out what those references are. And so the comics, I never read them regularly. I did feel like something was a bit off with them. Like you, it depends like the tone or something like that. And I'm going to be honest, something I did not like, and we'll talk about this a lot about this comic, mm -hmm. is how on model they were. And because on model on model oh, like, because Matt I agree Groening, yeah uh he really wanted and this is what the Simpsons have turned into that like they do not deviate from like the way that they're drawn like mm -hmm. he doesn't like wild takes he doesn't like really cartoony stuff and that's something that he's really imbued on the comics which he had full complete control on and that it took him a while to really lock it on the show yeah it's not for several years into these trios of horror halloween specials where you start to see some like wildly divergent styles yes. where it's like artists using their own style now saying that i love bill morrison's work mm -hmm. people may not be aware of bill morrison but he's touched their lives in so many ways he did all of the amazing covers for the Simpson video games. Oh, so we did wow. like Bart versus the Space Mutants, like all the shitty games, like uh, the Game yeah. Boy games, like uh, Bart a Man and Radioactive Man. Yeah, Escape, game Boy, yeah. Escape from Camp. I don't think it's crusty. It's like nowhere because it okay. actually came out before the Camp Krusty episode oh, wow. of the Simpsons. Okay. Yeah. Back when they're like just garbage, just like pump it out. We mm -hmm. don't want to care about it. And all those, he did a lot of um, Disney covers of the VHSs, including uh, the infamous Little Mermaid cover. Oh, with like, the penis spire They look in the like background. dicks. Yeah, it, yeah. it wasn't on purpose. I just did it in a <laughs> night. It just happened to look like dicks. Like, come on, leave me alone. Amazing. And uh, yeah, he was a creative director of it. And he illustrated a lot of these early first issues. Have you read the Radioactive Man uh, comics? I read a couple of those. Yeah. So what's really fun about those is it's just a parody of styles of comics. So mm -hmm. like Radioactive Man issue one is like classic, like Incredible Hulk parody. Mm -hmm. And then when it goes on, it becomes like the 60s comics, the 70s comics, the 80s comics. Eventually, the last issue is all like, like image parodies and stuff like that. Oh, I never got to those. I had a hardcover yeah. of it that I picked up for $5 when wow. you were at a combo convention. And I just gave it away being like, why would I ever want this? Not getting it. It goes for like $300 <laughs> now. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, they're really fun. We could do that because um, it's really enjoyable to like see how they're parodied. And like these, th these first issues of the comics was his and i want to bring up the normal comics because a lot of the early issues of the simpsons were flippers mm -hmm. so like you'd have the normal comic and then if you flipped it there'd be like a short story on the other side and this one has bart simpson's creepy crawly tales uh, did you get a chance to read this one uh, mike 
Uh, no, no. <laughs> you forgot, even though I asked yeah, you to. Yeah, I guess you did. I... Well, it's a classic kind of like EC Comics tale. Okay. It's all very on model. There's no gore or anything like that. And the, it's a very funny gimmick where Homer is a comic book collector who is very, um, you know, particular about the way stuff is kept. Mm-hmm. But then one day he gets... Uh, trapped in his climate controlled collection and when the thing breaks and it gets too cold he has to burn his collection to survive and oh, goes no. insane oh I thought it was going to go to the um, Twilight Zone place of a nuclear apocalypse happening oh, he has all like, the time in the world no <laughs> yeah. but yeah so that's the start of this and Bill Morrison is one of the creative forces when Trios of Horrors, you know what he did? Mm-hmm. All these painted covers. Oh, they're so all the covers. cool painted covers earlier on yeah. are Bill Morrison's. I think I had Trios of Horror number one. Mm. I have a vague memory of it. Um, or maybe I just had the uh like they, they did like trade paperbacks that collected only a few issues, okay. like Hebe GB Hullabaloo. Mm. I don't know if you saw that one. I was posted the image online because it had an embossed cover and it was almost bigger magazine format, and I was like hypnotized by oh, it. Oh wow. I no, yeah. I didn't see that. But yeah, I got several of these in just I guess well they wouldn't even be dollar bins, they'd be quarter bins at yeah. the time still. Uh I think at a time when those started to be more uh, prolific. Mm. I think all comic sh- uh, there was a period like I guess like in the 80s and 90s, the speculator boom precluded there being any quarter bins anywhere, but some like far off convention, like in an airport hall somewhere. Yeah. But I think around the time that the Trios of Horror comics started, like mid 90s and then on through the late 90s, you started to see back issue bins selling stuff off cheaply. Maybe it's because there was now so many comics. Mm post-speculator boom stores yeah. needed to move and that it's not merch. like there was a glut of simpsons merchandise that has no value <laughs> because there's so much of it or anything no no did not you ever have all. any simpson action figures my uh uncles who are technically cousin age because my grandfather remarried a much younger woman and had other children mm-hmm. so i have uncles that are younger than me they had so many simpsons action figures and i coveted them so much because <laughs> my parents would never get me i've though. never been a toy person no no, no. outside of uh gi joe was the one toy line where i was like i'm making this my thing yeah i'm like uh you know getting as many of these as i can taking care of them saving all the file cards they're all out of the packages yeah. but i'm like keeping every single thing. and i was obsessed with simpson pogs as well i remember weeping having oh, wow. lost a pog on the playground because someone had challenged me for keeps which never happened and I like lost a like I don't know itchy or scratchy pog or something yeah that was supposedly the way you're supposed to play pogs but I, I remember thinking like what, who would actually give them away if they like them yeah that, <laughs> but I, I wanted the other kids pog probably which is why I remember holding yeah, yeah. on to the pog because I loved it so much it like crinkled the edges oh, that's no. a cheap piece of cardboard you're not supposed to hold on to it did you ever have any Simpsons slammers no like I the don't gel so. slammers no. that's no. okay yeah. it, you, you do grasshopper which is when you slam down with the metal slammer you can catch it in the air and you get to go again it's uh, like don't play like that because the person doing it they'll be able to catch it every time yeah 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 to cheat mm-hmm. uh so you were saying that you probably picked these up in the quarter bin yeah and uh, i don't know if i've still saved these i don't know if these are still at my parents place because i think around this time too like i'd read and i'd re-gift or i'd give mm-hmm. them away or i'd you know i was also babysitting all the time and something that i'd read once that i might have gotten cheaply i'd constantly be giving it away to kids i was babysitting yeah yeah and so like this first issue it is in the style of the comics that were published at the time. So very on mm-hmm. model. I'm looking here at the date. Uh, 1995 yep. was when it was published for the first time. And the thing about the... Uh, there's hardcover reprints that have recently started. So Bongo folded and people thought it was because of the Disney acquisition. But it may be because uh, good old Matt may have had a divorce and wanted to uh, disconnect his name from some of the things that existed when that divorce happened. So mm-hmm. since comics have been started to be republished by uh, Abraham Books, and so they've been doing uh, 
each year now they've done one big hardcover reprint since the comics. And I was a little bit befuddled by like, wait a minute, but they're not uh, doing them in chronological order. They're doing them in like weird kind of like, these are the plant issues or something like that. And the reason for it is, I think because early on, they're all very on model. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you cracked open a book like that and you saw that was all kind of that on model Simpsons, maybe you'd be like, man, I don't want this. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that it's probably the first like eight to 10 issues that are all done in house style. And as we'll talk about in next week's episode, I feel near the end of the run, people will will go like, I don't need those. The the last kind of run of them. So by switching it up, like, well, if you like Treehouse of Horror, you have to buy all three. I got to say, these are, I don't know why they're so fancy, but mm-hmm. they are, and they're not that expensive. Like, there's these giant hardcovers. I believe they're 40 Canadian. That's shocking And they come with, like, slip covers and stuff like that. If you that. asked me to guess a price on these omnibuses that Justin has here, I probably, would have guessed 100 yeah, each. No. Yeah. And they're all glow-in-the-dark, and they're super cool glow-in-the-dark, mm. where, like, it's the figures themselves that are illuminated, not the whole cover. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, glow-in-the-dark, it feels like when I was a kid, everything glowed in the dark very easily. Mm-hmm. Now you have to charge it and be like, all right, it's charged. I hope I get, like, 10 <laughs> minutes of glow in the dark action out of it. Do you have the new uh, Tim Hortons glow-in-the-dark Timbit pale? No, I never go to Tim Hortons, <laughs> so no, I do not. All right. uh, Mike is a true Canadian. He always shows up to record here with some Tim Hortons in hand. And leave with some Tim Hortons in hand. <laughs> but uh, he's like, Justin, you want some? I'm like, no, I yeah, don't really... Yeah. When I was a kid, we would go camping a lot. My dad would always buy Timbits, and I think I just got tired of them. I'm like, I don't like Timbits. So I didn't grow up with it. Yeah, we never went to, to Tim really? Hortons. Really? So I got addicted to it in college. Yeah, your dad uh, is a professor, so he's like, no Tim Hortons for my son. Yeah. So the first issue of uh, Treehouse of Horror, let's start with the, we're going to go story by story. Mm -hmm. And I think the way we can do it is we'll talk about the creative team and also the subject matter and whether we like the comic or not. Yeah. And just spend just a couple minutes, like five minutes max. Yep. We should maybe set a timer on this because otherwise we're not going to be able to, uh, my phone is around here somewhere because otherwise I could be talking and talking. Yeah. We have 23 issues to get through. (laughs) Yeah. And, and uh, Mike is on a timer today, a spooky timer. Timer. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the first one, Little Shop of Homers. I vividly remember this issue because it was the first story in the first issue. And I don't know why I read it. And in the book, actually, it's the one that they start with as well. Oh, interesting. So yeah. to be like, oh, you know, salt was put into this big hardcover. It wasn't just random. Yeah. Or tossing them all together. What yeah. did you think of this one? Uh Mike? It's fine. It's cute. It's an adaptation of Little Shop of Horrors. It's happened a lot. Uh I've talked it's... about this a lot. Yeah. I think that I'm very anthology skeptic yeah is that like some short stories i feel that they're not structured in a way that's engaging a lot of these simpson stories have that problem where it's like all right it takes way too long for these stories to get going and get to the horror and this is a case of one of those mm-hmm. it's by written by mike allred of uh, madman fans yes. and many I, other things i Ecstatic. think this fir- this first issue mm-hmm. is a lot of big names that I don't know if limitations were put upon them yeah. or they just don't understand what a horror comic is supposed to be. It all still feels very house style, yeah. no matter who's really writing for this first chunk. And I first think they're great. Though, yeah. Of them being strangled by the Homer Little Shop of Horrors plan. Mm-hmm. That's very fun. But yeah, the story is like, I vividly remember this panel of Homer cutting his nails and there's a close up of it. Like that has haunted me forever. Probably because mm-hmm. it's one of the comics I had, so I read it over and over and over and over again. Did Bill Morrison illustrate this one? Um, no, story and... Oh, yeah, uh, in inks. Yeah, Bill Morrison 
uh, penciled it and Mike Allard inked it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. There's a lot of weird credits in these. Sometimes they only credit all the creative teams in the very first page, but all of these issues, yeah. every Halloween special is generally about three stories on yeah, average. Yeah, three stories. Sometimes the uh, credits will be at the start of each story. Mm-hmm. In this case, you kind of have to skip back to the beginning. I think, and I'll probably say this a few yeah. more times as we record this, these stories, some of these stories should be shorter, that they're too long. And it's like, all right, I'd rather have like a lot of stories and then have a few misses mm-hmm. than like a long story that just doesn't work. And I'm going to say it now. Some of these stories are not horror stories. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Even in this first issue. Yeah. Like this little shop of horsing almost could have been a Simpsons episode. Yeah. In a way, like it's, it doesn't get that horrifying. It doesn't get to stuff we've mentioned in other episodes in the build up to this one yeah. where there's like characters getting like horribly maimed and mutilated like stuff you wouldn't even see in the cartoon and i think this story too Mm -hmm. it takes a long way to get going and usually when that happens it also ends very abruptly Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh it's over okay uh and then there's a jeff smith one where i think he did breakdowns so i'm not a hundred percent sure on this i believe jeff smith injured himself while doing bone yes oh wow which is why he hasn't been doing that many comics and which would explain this story that he just did breakdowns on, yeah. which could be anything. It could be like stick figures. It could be uh, maybe he even did like roughs and then they were drawn over by somebody else. Mm-hmm. And this is basically grandpa telling the story of Moby Dick. Not a horror kind of, story. But not <laughs> like, a horror story. Yes, that popular uh, whale hunting tale beloved by children at Halloween. And it takes um, so long to get started. This like, is the one bit at the end that actually made me laugh out yeah. loud was uh, Bart waking up thinking it was all a dream and finding the whale's head in his bed. That's like funny. Yeah. Godfather. Again, <laughs> this is a comic I read over and over again. And I this panel of Homer eating whale blubber kind of like baffled me because it's gross it looks like he's eating flesh but these are all very tame still yes like when i was reading these i think i read them over and over again because it was one of the few pieces of simpson merchandise that i had and i was looking for the horror in it going like am i missing something as a child (laughs) like where's the horror stuff now the last story i really like bart people now i wasn't as into this one really but also i've never seen cat people well the thing about cat people is it's part of the val luton kind of wave of horror film mm-hmm. that was directed by jacques tournard and that it's you don't really see the cat people in yeah it. that's a that's the thing so if this is anything it's probably a parody of the paul schrader cat well the people. 80s the 80s yeah, cat yeah. people is what I was referring to i've actually seen the um the jack tournier one yeah. uh in film school like ages ago but i assume this was referencing like the the Malcolm McDowell yeah. and who is it? Natasha Kinski or who? Natasha Kinski. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one is written by James Robinson of Starman fame. Of Starman fame. Yeah. What a weird name to get on this book. <laughs> like it feels like uh, whoever's in the room, can we get him? Yeah. And Bill Morrison again did the finished art. He did like all the art on this. Mm-hmm. He, I, I can't believe how much work he was doing on these yeah, comics. It, it's he was impressive. the creative director. I yeah, believe yeah. was his credit. And I guess these. like I should clarify too. I guess we're not mocking the house style. No, I like, love the house. It, it's style. incredible. Yeah. Like as far as like looking like the cartoon it is spot on i just Um, wish especially because these are horror comics that there was a little bit more i don't know not you know what i don't even need variation but just like angles and stuff like that and i think this comes out though in this one where mm -hmm. i i feel that this story has a lot more kind of like weird angles doing stuff with the comic book frame yeah yeah Uh, bart turns into a leopard man that's what happens yeah and then lisa has some leopard person dna too or it's uh Uh, groundskeeper eh. willie wrestles a leopard uh person just like um that episode with the wolf Mm. I don't remember when that one came out. Is but... it the one where the wolves are conspiring? Yeah. Like in that gif? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. It's not that one. It's the one where Bart keeps missing tests by pretending to be sick. 
And then uh, they're like, don't you remember about the story of the boy who cried wolf? He's like, nah, I don't know. And then uh, when he's pretending to be sick one day, he gets attacked by a wolf that escapes from Krusty, uh, the show. Mm. And then uh, groundskeeper Willie shows up and wrestles it and does the exact same thing he does here. This is something I don't like about these comics, which is when they echo lines or moments from the show. Yeah. And this is something about licensed material is, and the most guilty people of that is a hundred percent like uh, army of darkness and evil dead comics, which is like, do your own thing. Mm -hmm. Don't do variations on lines that are in the movies. Like it's aggravating. I don't know. Maybe other people like it cause they keep doing it. Just do your own stuff within the universe. That's I what don't I know. Like. Maybe like, maybe a lot of normies do want that. It's like say maybe. the line. Yeah. You know, you know what? It, like Homer when he's watching Bachman Turner overdrive. And, yeah. And he's like, play taking your business now. And they yeah. start playing and he's like, no verses. Skip to the chorus. <laughs> That's such a great joke. Uh, these covers, though, they rule. Incredible like, covers. The next co uh, cover, and I love covers like this, yeah. is Bart reading the magazine that we're looking at. So it creates like an infinity thing going yeah, into yeah. it uh, as uh, one of the aliens is coming up behind him. What did you think of Sideshow Blob? I like this one. Yeah. Uh, I love Sideshow Bob as a character. Oh, uh, we, get, we, we got a I heavyweight. I love this one. Script. And now Paul Dini. Yeah, is writing. Uh, writing. Uh, and uh, Bill Morrison's drawing again. Yeah, as back or layouts. Uh, yeah, Tim yeah. Bavington is doing pencils okay. on this. Uh, like, it's even gross. though it's still house style, this one starts to get gross. Yeah. And I love that. Uh, Sideshow Bob is a uh, volunteers for some um, experiments in prison with Dr. Nick and he turns into a giant blobby creature and just keeps sort of like oozing around and finds out he can like ooze through the bars. It's really horrifying. This panel of his eye stretching mm. and him looking like he's in pain doing it and the guards Yeah, that's a horrifying up. panel. I think Paul yeah. Dini really understands how to do these adaptations because he's done them a million times. Absolutely. He did Batman and Robin and we'll talk about mm -hmm. uh, Batman, uh, Batman the Animated Series uh, that there's one of the like go-to artists that does a lot of these Treehouse of Horrors. I assume he was probably an in-house guy at Bongo, Ty Templeton. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it moves really fast, gets started right away, has some really funny and clever stuff. And uh, Bob the Blob is gross. So he, He's very gross. I think this is great. And um, yeah, it wraps up pretty well. Uh, next up, we have The Exorcister. This one is by Peter Bagg of Heck Comics. Hate? Oh, yeah. Uh, hate, yeah, Peter Baggy. I've, I've always actually, said I don't know which one it is. I've, uh, I've never actually uh, read any of Hate. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this comic is not good. I do not like his Exorcister one. It's uh, it's pretty lame. It yeah, it's a very like on the nose as far as like an Exorcist parody could be, and it takes a while to get going. And and instead of being possessed by a demon, oh no, she's like possessed by Madonna. The, is it Madonna? And yeah. it was this is 1996. Was Madonna even still that relevant? I yeah, don't know. I don't think so. This feels like I, it was like it's pretty lame. Come on, Peter Bag. Yep, she it's, it's Lisa, and instead of being very Lisa, she's turning into like a Madonna yeah. super fan. It takes forever like, to get going, yeah. and then when it uh, it rushes through the climax. Mm -hmm. Okay, so issue number three. This cover, wow. Of them as zombies, yeah. Well, not even just like they're not even necessarily zombies. They're just dead, dead and rotting. Yeah, and they're rotting. on the couch. That's gross. They're falling apart. Oh, I see that name, Morrison. He got to sign it under undergraining. Oh, that's wow. Great. Because uh, one of the things, like, the artists don't get to sign their yeah. work. Well, a rare place you can see um, Simpson art signed by the artist that did it is at Universal Studios LA. They're upstairs. There's, like, a little side room in the Krusty Burger where there's a bunch of original art on the wall signed by the people. Oh, who wow. Yep. This is horrifying to me. Santa's little helper just dead. His head is a skull. There's something living in his rib cage. Oh, uh, love it. Oh. Now, this is a story I vividly remembered as a kid. And I got to say... Mm -hmm. It it just oh, gets it really yes. well. This is the uh, by Evan Dorkin. Of, oh, uh, we, I love Evan fame. Dorkin. He's amazing. Him and uh, 
As Illustrated by Bill Gore. Morrison, I believe. It looks like Bill. I don't think Evan did this uh, comic, did he? Um, We're doing a lot of. We have these all on our computer uh, because the, I have the hardcovers in front of me, but because they're out of order, it's very difficult to uh, go through. Yeah, I think he just wrote it. Uh, I'm going to say Bill Morrison probably drew it. It very much looks like, yeah, Bill yeah. Morrison drawing it. Uh, and it's a parody of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Okay, so reading a lot of these comics, mm-hmm. um, something that we're reading uh, comedy comics from the 90s. Every now and then a joke would happen to be like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think they do this joke anymore. Which one in this? I, I, don't, I don't remember, remember exactly, but I remember it. I was like, oh, no. A lot of Apu related stuff. Uh, yeah. As Mike said, this is a parody of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. And it just does a lot of stuff. It gets going really fast. It's yeah, very compressed. Great like panel to joke ratio. I love this page where they're watching the like, uh, you know, pod scratchy. people itching yeah. scratchy. And they're just like watching paint dry in the cartoon. The paint is dry. And I love like it took me. I had to reread read this page to realize right this isn't like pod people itching scratchy because they're animated this is like the animators have become pod people, people and yeah. have made a boring episode <laughs> i and, thought this was absolutely brilliant and it's a great parody of uh, invasion of the body snatcher that uses the same structure yeah. of, like homer telling the story of what happened it's not particularly gross i feel which i miss out on mm-hmm. but uh yeah it's really good and i know i would have read this without having um seen the movie or understood i love the ending where you only get to do this once in these treehouse of horror comics (laughs) i think they go back to this later on which is uh they reveal that there's like a million things going on where it's like um yeah it's not just the pod people there's also aliens and a a t1000 yeah and And then uh, charlton heston runs in and says there's also apes and there's a dracula and then uh bob sideshow bob goes we're in a comic book and then he got uh, the final page of someone screaming, please don't close this comic. Love stuff like that. Yeah, Grant Morrison yeah. ass uh, Very. things. So uh, and then there's clearly like a filler little bit at the end, also written by Evan Dorkin, uh, which is Fatal Reception, where Homer is just getting a reception of stuff that he likes being destroyed. Mm-hmm. And it freaks him out. Yeah. Uh, it's amusing. Uh, clearly they came up a little bit short and they're like we gotta pad this out somehow let's get this yeah these are still like uh, 28 pages around this point they don't jump up in length weird that it's like mostly one story but it's a really good story Mm -hmm. so I don't fault it for that reason moving on to issue number four Mm-hmm, with Millhouse's head in a jar on yep. the cover, being experimented on by Bart, and he's okay. replaced Millhouse's head with the cat's head. Uh, and... The first story is a killer Christmas tree one. It's fine. It's okay. Uh, Written by Chuck Dixon of all people. Oh wow, yeah, that's I, a journeyman. He did. Uh, he created Bane. Yep, the Batman villain, and uh, I still think the best Christmas tree killer story is Treevenge by Jason Eisner. Absolutely, yeah. there's no contest with that. No, there's the greatest killer Christmas tree piece of media ever concocted or written or filmed. Uh, this one, I do feel this is not Bill Morrison that illustrated it. It's Phil Ortiz. Uh, I'm not familiar with him. People are screaming. It's like, don't you know Phil Ortiz? Here's the thing. Anyone mm-hmm. illustrating these early issues are all doing it in the house style. Mm-hmm. So they, it might might as well be Bill Morrison. Let's be honest. Yeah. So. Uh, because uh, it looks like any other Bill Morrison strip, but there's some fun comic book stuff that's done with this one. Now this issue, this issue, kind of does something then weird with the next story. Yes, which I really I thought, like the next. Story. I love the next story, the Illustrated Man, but it itself is a framing device for some short anthology stories. Yep. And I almost feel like 
That should have been the whole comic. Yeah, the whole comic could have been this. This does this later on, I think, in a really interesting way Mm. to include multiple different artists Mm. in a special issue. Oh, yeah, I love that. Which is probably my favorite. That is my issue of uh, the. So I've never heard of this creator, Batten Lash. No, I'm not familiar with him either. Mm. I did look him up because I think he is a house guy because he comes in later on to do more stories as well. Uh yeah, Bat and Lash. Oh wow, he wrote Archie meets the Punisher. There you in go. In 1994, so he's just Great like a crossover. journeyman, and I don't mean that as an insult. And uh, he was also writing Radioactive Man for Bongo. Yeah, and uh, some other stuff. These stories are real, like basically Shaggy Dog stories. I like them though. I like yeah. the zombie story that shows up, where it's basically a zombie comes back and. Oh no, uh, one of Marge's sisters wants to marry him. And then he's like, I wish I was dead. <laughs> and then Get- there's like a uh, Apu uh, versus the beast with four fingers, which is just a severed hand. Yeah, it's a shoplifting hand. Yep. Also committing other crimes, just sort of going around doing something. That one's a couple pages long. These are all being told to Bart and Lisa via tattoos on like a covered in tattoos man at a Did carnival. you ever see that movie, The Illustrated Man? It is a movie. I, oh, I've not. Is and that by Ray I, Kurzweil? I'm not 100% sure. Or is sure that a yet. book? I don't know. It is, it's a Ray Bradbury book. Ray Bradbury, that's what yeah, I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't read your Ray Bradbury when you were a kid? I devoured the Actually, Martian lots, Chronicles. but yeah, not that one. Mm. No. The October Tree. Yeah, October County. Yeah, or County, uh, is that what it's called? That's I'm thinking a the really Halloween thick collection. Tree, which is the uh, special that he wrote. Oh, okay. Which is an animated special. Yeah, October County, the amazing anthology. Uh, Basketball, uh, which is the next story, is a fun one. All these stories, like this is the gimmick. You feel like Bill Morrison as the editor is like trying to push things a little mm. bit more. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that in this one, each story is a different color. So you get a purple story, you get an orange story, which is very short, which an image of screaming Lisa. Yeah. And at the end, um, what is it? Oh yeah. NPR is canceled to be replaced by the, uh, Rush Limbaugh, uh, <laughs> character in the Simpsons. And she's like, no. And then there's the classic, like Willie has a basket on his shoulder the whole time. And they think it's a head that he has. I love this one. Now this yeah. is based on something, right? Cause I, I know this and it's not, a Simpsons I, this thing. seems so familiar. Like I purposely in advance this episode, I did not look up any references to <laughs> really? things. You're like Justin can do all the work. Well, no, I thought like maybe like I would know one you didn't, or mm-hmm. you would know one I didn't, but uh, yeah, this seems so familiar. With or they think he has a second head in the basket, but no, he's just carrying groceries. Again, like we're four years in, none of these are my f- except for the Evan Dorkin one, mm-hmm. which I really like. None of these are my favorite. What I was surprised to learn is that like a lot of these won Eisners for like short story content. Oh wow! Including the first story in uh, issue number five, which is Dark Lisa, which is written by Jill Thompson. Oh, and I know that name. Uh, oh. Illustrated by Oscar Loyo. Yeah, you're going to look it up and be like, oh, yes, of course. I think she mostly works as an artist. Oh, Jill Thompson worked on The Invisibles and Swamp Thing. Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, Grant Morrison's The Invisibles. Yep. Uh, And this story is fine, I think. It's a Carrie parody that has a real kind of like, oh, that's how it ends? All right, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it wanted, it's well done, but it, it doesn't. It doesn't stick the the ending yeah. too much for me. Where it turns into like a weird X Men parody. Yeah, yeah. Here's another thing, and I know people are going to be like, "Wait, what?" I'm not a big fan of like parodies, <laughs> unless you're just using it as a jumping pad to do like a bunch of really wacky mm-hmm. like joke. Like I, I like parodies mostly as just a structural element, more than a like. Oh, we have to do all the moments from this thing. Yeah. Uh, so- and then there's a very odd story done by Sergio. Aragones, who, who I love. I, I, I so love good. him. Yeah, Gru is incredible. He, what an incredible creator. And most notably, this is the first story where it's uh, the same creator writing and drawing mm. the story and really getting to cut loose in their own style. And I, 
well, A, that my favorite plot beat in this story is that Extopolopicetal, the giant stone head that was yeah. given to the Simpsons by Mr. Burns, is the main focal point of this story. Yep. Uh, and and B, I just find it kind of like cute. Like there's something really endearing about Aragorn. Do Aragone's we get Earth. a full splash page with the classic, yeah. um, all the million characters that the artist is known for and gags? Of course we do. It, it's so well done. I'm sorry. Is it not a two-page? Oh, it's only a one-page splash. One-page spread. But you know what? You're remembering it as a two-page splash because it's so detailed. Uh, This is such a phenomenal piece of work, this story. I Uh, love it. And then, uh, all right. We have to talk about this very quickly. Apu on Rigel 7. Do you know who Doug Tenapple is? I do not. He's a creator of Earthworm Jim. He did a lot of comics that I remember liking them when I was younger. Okay. Uh, He is very religious, and he went wildly right-wing in the last like very long time oh wow so like when i saw his name i was like ugh, no this story's fine he's doing it in his own art style that's cool yeah i, I you know it's 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 i i found this quite fun it was a pool going off on a yeah, galactic on adventure. adventure and i love the art style uh man i loved earthworm jim at the time i knew nothing I about love earthworm him jim, as yeah. a creator even knew his name actually yeah. relative to earthworm jim why did i love earthworm jim so much but i did it's like, genuinely a great game like mm, I, I it's not a very good game i've replayed it like still to this day I like now and then every couple of years over again and where i would always yeah. die at the level where you're underwater and like you have to control your ship oh like, that was a tough one yeah that was a tough one but i think the difficulty curve of that game was that it kind of, I, I felt it got kind of easier in the final level yeah and, and so you're kind of rewarded with the wind down it's just not very it one of those issues with those kind of games is mm-hmm. that like it's beautiful looking i think i was probably attracted to because it, it looked like a cartoon yeah but like the hit boxes are all over the place like yeah, it's just yeah. not well programmed basically mm-hmm. but i love i played earthworm jim over and very over fun it might just over. be rose colored glasses and nostalgia yeah. for me though oh uh, but you love earthworm jim 64 right that's your favorite well, i did not know there was an uh, n64 really game uh, uh i i should mention as well that they're not in the issues we're looking at right now but in the hardcovers they include some of the extra materials that were included in the um trade paperbacks that mm-hmm. collected like three issues there's some really fun stuff like uh there's a two-page splash which maybe it was in one of these issues because i remember looking it up and going oh wait was this somewhere that i was looking at it and i was like wow this hyper detailed art i really like it i wonder if it's whoa it is the guy who did shaolin cowboy and hardboil oh jeff darrow De- jeff darrow yeah oh wow he did it's a two-page splash and i know i had seen it before so it was okay. probably included in one of the things i can't find it right now in the hardcover that i'm holding where uh it's like the aliens are invading and it's like a bunch of like hyper violence going on around that two-page splash. Hmm. Really fun, filled with gags. You could stare at it for like 15, 20 minutes, just like finding gags in it as it goes along. So I'm glad that they were able to include these in the hardcovers and that they were doing that extra stuff just for the trade paperbacks. Mm-hmm. So in issue number six, people are wondering like, they haven't really loved anything except for issue three. We're getting to it. We're getting yeah, to it. Yeah. There's some really great stuff. I love that Sergio Aragoni's one in the episode. Yeah, that was really fun. Those are my favorites so far. And then here... This is my favorite first page of any so far, and I love Jim Mahfoud as well. What is uh, he most famous for? Because he, I've read Jim Mahfoud because he did Kevin Smith comics, didn't he? I think he was involved in some of those. He did do some of those, if I recall correctly. That, that's probably where I saw his name. All I'm imagining is like Skater Girl, written with R's or something. Yeah, like Girl that. Scouts. Oh, so yeah, and that's the Fall Series, Girl Scouts Magic Magic Socks. Yeah, uh, which I love from Image, if I recall. <laughs> and uh, oh, he's done some Tank Girl. And he's yeah. done some Marvel one-shots I like. He did a really good uh, one-shot, Howard the Human, set, <laughs> set during the yeah. Hickman Secret Wars, where it was Howard the Duck as a human in a world of animal things. So at this point, all these stories are completely off-model. Yeah. Like, 
from what I hear, Bill Morrison did it and he was scared that like Matt Groening was going to be angry about it. But then Matt Groening was like, oh no, I love it. Yeah, keep doing that mm-hmm. for Treehouse of Horrors. You don't step out of line. I added that extra last part. <laughs> uh, and personally, in my opinion, my favorite Simpson comics are the ones that use the comic book page to create a density of jokes. Mm-hmm. And so like Sergio would do that. Jim Mafu does that as well. Like you look at this first page, it's just gag after gag after gag. Yeah, after it's gag. a street party on Evergreen Terrace mm-hmm. and you just see so many Simpsons characters. I love that Nelson's dressed like Orion yeah. from the New Gods. Bart is dressed as Grendel. Like, it's amazing mm-hmm. comic Matt references Matt uh, Grendel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just unleashed. Uh, oh, it looks like Lisa is dressed as Robin. Uh, I'm looking very carefully. Is it the classic Robin from, I think it is, from it the Frank Miller comic because she has the goggles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Dark Knight Returns. And so, yeah, uh, Satan comes Shows back. up, yep. And, uh, you know, there's hell stuff. And uh, Satan's causing ruckus. Powers, yeah. Oh, Todd and Rod, who appear a lot in these comics yeah. for some reason, gain magical powers. Mm-hmm. And they, like, make everybody into their costumes. Uh, they go to hell at the end of the comic. A lot of stuff happens in this one. And this leads into, uh, you know, referencing Devil Flanders again. Yes. Uh, with Flanders Something agreeing to... Something that they keep to... going back to the well, too, is, like, uh, Dracula... Uh, Mr. Burns, which, eh, I'm okay with. Mm. It's like, do your own stuff. Create some new stuff. That's what I really like. Yeah, yeah. And it's a long story, but they're in a big page count at this point. So, like, the next one is a kind of horrifying story redoing um, Kafka's The Metamorphosis, but it's Homer that turns into a bug. Yeah, uh, by Peter Cooper, who uh, actually, how how recent is this one? He has an exhibition on some of his... Called Insects. Insects. So he's clearly known for insects. Um, even though that it's funny that the art that you showed isn't what this style is, what he's probably most famous for is he took on Spy versus Spy mm-hmm. and he did like a very famous run of that. I uh, love Spy versus Spy. Love yeah, Spy Peter Cooper, Spy. incredible talent. Uh, and I find this story goes on a little long though. Yes. So I think that this comic was supposed to be done as a flip book. Did you notice at the bottom panels? There's like, there's Homer on the right and then bart on the left oh god yeah it's and almost as you like go, you could it's, uh, it's like a flip book animation i think yeah yeah of homer's head exploding and then bart being covered in that gore mm-hmm. so they're completely unleashed at this point i feel like violence wise because it's just a panel of homer's head exploding yeah he becomes a cockroach just like in the metamorphosis yeah. and just kind of living amongst the family here uh, but this uh, is a th- still a three-story uh, comic because the next one is done by Bill Morrison, wrote the script, but illustrated by Dan DiCarlo, the guy who kind of defined the look of Archie comics. Oh, God, right. Yes, yep. we talked about him ba- way back in episode three. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was cute. Yep. This I was, it was uh, funny. It has a good, uh, good twist at the end. I feel like... And the I, Archie stuff in this was amazing. Yeah, I wish... <laughs> It looked even more like Archie. That would like be great. Dan is kind of affecting it to be within that house style, but he gets to do it because he just brings in Archie characters later on in the comic. Uh, the gimmick is that Bart gets in a car accident and his head is attached to a teenage body. So now he's a teenager and he wants to go hang out down at the old malt shop with a bunch of Archie characters mm-hmm. who are named differently for parody related purposes. Yeah. Uh, isn't there what is like Warthog instead of Moose? Yeah, something like that. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I, I like the punchline on this one. It's really funny where um, Dr. Frank kills an Archie-like character, but instead of giving Bart Archie's head, he puts his brain into Archie's body and... Uh, puts Bart into Frank's ugly, uh, nerdy body. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. right. But then uh, 
Bart now with Frank's head is like, oh, I have Frank's money. And he's like, no. <laughs> it's a good punchline. Oh, there's four stories in this one. Yeah, yeah. But I love that like uh, Frank and Archie's body here at the end is like still has the equivalent of Betty and Veronica hanging yeah, off. Yeah, but him. he's like, but I'm not rich anymore. This sucks. Yeah. And then there's a monkey that has Bart's head. Yeah. Uh, a yeah. good punchline. I feel like some of these sometimes stumble over the punchlines. Mm-hmm. It's weird uh, that they never really do EC horror style comics in these, right? There is one issue where mm-hmm. they kind of do a parody of it. I wonder if it was a rule that they couldn't do that because like you would think that you would have the classic like three stories, all of them kind of, you know, uh, guided by a narrator. Narrator with or exposition yeah, dump. And, but it never yeah, really yeah. happens. I didn't even mention that like Bill Morrison is a huge comic book fan, which mm. is why he does some of the stuff that he does later on in these issues when he gets to be a little bit more unchained. If you go on like, you know, comic selling websites and people post like art of like original Simpson comic book covers, like mm. Bill will like comment at the bottom. He's like, ah, yes, I love doing that art. So oh, he's great. involved in those circles. Um yeah, so one of them, the last story of this issue, I think, from Duff Till Dawn, yeah. is really fun, uh, done by a guy named Scott Morse, who I'm not familiar with. Not familiar with at all. If you look at his yeah. Wikipedia, it says, most famous for Soul Wind, which was published, I think, in 1997. But then if you click on Soul Wind, there's no link. So mm-hmm. it's like, wasn't that popular? And also, there was a hardcover a couple of years ago, completely unavailable, unfortunately. I'd like to read it because I really like his art style in this. Mm-hmm. This also starts a weird trend in these um, comics that the stories rhyme for some reason. Yeah, this is almost like a sort of a nursery rhyme slash like children's book style structure. And done of this really out there. Art style, Wonderfully yeah. like... Um, very Ren and Stimpy-ish which meets Scott, German expressionism Scott Morse did kinda. a lot of animation stuff I think oh did he okay yeah he was hired to work on Chuck Jones film production yeah I love 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 the art and layout and just the, the whole flow yeah of he worked story. as a character designer storyboard artist and art director for companies such as Disney Universal and Cartoon Network okay wow uh, and oh I should point out Bill Morrison also basically designed every Futurama character oh like, wow that, that was his that's name. amazing he worked with Matt on those ones wow uh, so this story is uh it, it's, it has a weird title from Duff Till Dawn. So you're like, oh, it'll be a vampire parody? No, it's about Dr. Frank having a giant mosquito monster that shows up and starts killing people. And it's kind of cute. It's almost yeah. like innocuously blank. It's almost And it's killing everyone in most Tavern. And presented in a storybook fashion. But it has an art style that I would only say... 90s is hell like this is what i when i think of like 90s illustration this reminds me of when you showed me yes, the, the art. monkey bone yes uh yeah. dark town or whatever that was style was called yeah. it kind of looks like that but in a good way because i like that too yeah uh i think that's the last story right in this issue yeah well there's this one stan sakai pinup in the single issue i love stan sakai of usagi yojimbo fame i will say this right away because we're about to get to a stan sakai story in the believe the next issue i'm not a big fan of mm. uh so after that is that what issue we own to issue seven seven okay which we are up to what year 2001 2001 so the cover is an homage to the uh, famous uh the burns head grafted as a homer's body now, uh, episode i trio. absolutely picked up this issue mm-hmm. because i was a garth ennis john mccray a super fan i had this one too yeah yeah, yeah. And, uh, and also the cover is really striking yes. you just see this and you're like and i know a, that reference it's a morrison as well, if you look Again, at the bottom, yeah, there, he was able incredible. to sign his own comic. Uh, so the first story in Springfield, No One Can Hear You Scream, uh, written by Garth Ennis, illustrated by uh, John McCrea. The legendary team behind Hitman. I, I'll say it. 
every two episodes. Mm-hmm. Probably one of my favorite comics of all time. Mm-hmm. We'll have to do that one in the New Year. How has it not had an omnibus? I heard it's because the trade paperback did not sell that well. Yeah. When they redid them, but mm-hmm. like it's so good. Mm-hmm. One of the issues, one in Eisner. Like, come on. Yeah, it's just another yeah. one for the heap of like, how is this not available? Even as a kid, I was like, eh, this story's all right. Yeah. It's very uh, actually, violent. What you were saying about uh, data jokes? Yes, the very first line of the comic is Krusty on TV saying, "That was no drag queen. That was my wife." There's another joke about queens like that in this as well oh. where it's like i don't want i'm the queen smithers and i was like Ugh, oh, no man. uh this one is an alien parody uh, yeah. i do like how john mccrea am i saying that name correctly probably not uh draws the characters because they look really yeah. weird this is very like uh soul style again there is like, a um image of homer like drooling that's so disturbing when he's strung yes here yeah, so it's basically like, you know, Bart... Uh, he just has a dream. Yeah, dreaming that his family is uh, similar to Alien Labyrinth, actually, by Jim Woodring. Who will show up a little bit later he on. He will. This. And yeah, he's imagining his family strung up, like, basically, you know, begging to be killed. Like, mm. Bart, k- k- kill, kill me. Yeah, <laughs> and then... like horrifying, really. Vivid images of an alien bursting out of Homer Simpson's chest. And I think they only got away with it because they all have the faces of the characters. Yeah. Hans uh, Moleman's alien looks like him and, and is wearing glasses. I think that's very cute. So that's a super hyper violent story. I, see, the thing about this is I wonder if it was a, you know, a rule of, hey, you need to make this a dream because it's so violent. Because mm-hmm. like, why not just do the aliens with the Simpsons characters? Yeah. That's something that these comics don't do that much, which is just having stories with Simpson characters acting like the Simpson characters, but in these horror things. They always like kind of ground them in the family, which I don't I don't feel like they need to do. I don't know. What, what do you Maybe think? Maybe there's even research on the fact that like, oh, uh, you know, kids find the idea of it being a nightmare even more horrifying than mm. if it's reality. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. Who knows? So the next story, Stan Sakai, mm-hmm. who I love, yeah. does a Wizard of Oz parody. <laughs> I this was really out of left field for me. And? Uh, I still loved it. I knew you were going to say that. I still loved it. I love Stan Sakai. Love his art. Love the coloring on this by... It's really uh, good. Nathan Kane. Yeah. Uh, Nathan Cowardly Kane, as he is credited here. I think my issue is, listen, I only get yeah. one Treehouse of Horror a year. Like, just just please, just do something horrific. Make it, a, <laughs> make it Dark Oz, like Todd McFarlane's Oz. Yeah, <laughs> Remember yeah. those toys? Oh, God, I forgot about those. Yeah. yeah. Or Return to Oz, which is kind of creepy. Dark, yeah. yeah. And actually more in keeping with the original books. Or even like if Stan Sakai is. wants to do like a yeah, yokai yeah. story, that would be great. Oh, I love that. I would love that. Wow. But no, it is a Wizard of Oz parody. Yeah. That's another they wake up from a dream. That's it is. two dream stories back to back. That's that's true. I wonder if some of these were just kind of done as potential one-off issues because there were, if you recall, in just the general Bongo Comics mm. line endless one-offs Do you there'd think be like a mo one-off was? or here's like um, a maggie one-off or other things like that i wonder if some of these were meant to be done someone thought morrison uh, if we put this in the treehouse. let us know yeah uh, send us an email at the yeah. very fine comic book podcast at gmail.com mm-hmm. let us know i don't know why you would be listening to every uh bongo related thing bill morrison before i forget as well did a really fun creator own book for bongo called roswell that i have uh, it's really fun. i am in for any and all roswell things uh, uh and so the next story do you know what's weird is i know i have yeah. this issue i this is one of my absolute favorites uh in this and whole so run. i remember yeah. this one homer rectus mm-hmm. 
And the Joel McCrea Garth Ennis ones, I completely forgotten the Stan Sakai one. Probably because my little boy brain was like, yeah. no, need horror. Like you didn't lodge it in the yeah. Halloween vaults like in your head. Like, ah, yeah, flip through it. This is so well done. So I know uh, the name Troy Nixie. Yeah, I, uh, I do not. No, uh, let's, do not? let's look them up right now. For some reason, I associate him with Steve Niles. Oh, he's a Canadian cartoonist too. Uh, he did a lot of... I'm looking like his art. I'm like, he must have done some Hellboy stuff, right? Because mm. that's what it feels like. It, it's sometimes tough to even clicking on their Wikipedia being like, what are they most famous for? Let me know. Uh, he did Matrix comics. He did. Uh, oh. oh, that's why I know his name. He directed Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Oh, with Guy Pierce. Del Toro. Yeah, uh, yeah. Film. Okay, interesting. Yeah, th- what a creative uh, standalone piece this is. So, so it's kind of like, I mean. Eric Powell-esque is yeah. what I would say, right? Like it kind of looks like Eric Powell art. Maybe like, maybe a little more like fantastical. Yeah. And it's essentially like, you know, a Cro-Magnon man found in the ice and unfrozen and it's Homer, but he's not in the Simpsons universe. He's supposed to be Homer with no explanation, unfrozen in our universe, mm-hmm. but in like the sort of, you know, like uh, start of the age of exploration. Mm. So you see a lot of like steampunk looking apparatus and uh, and things like that. Look, I'm going to say yeah. my criticism of stuff that I said before. It's not really horror-esque, yeah. but I love the art so much and mm. the way that Homer is yellow while everyone else has like pink skin is really funny and he's drawn in a slightly different way and ever since from hell i i kind of associate this era with a lot of spooky stories and darkness and griminess anyway so i think it it was very adjacent to me when i read it when it was brand new and now i feel like this panel that the story almost ends with of homer facing off against apes or gorillas who are like homer (laughs) gets memed a lot like i feel like i see it all the time oh wow and then at the end it's revealed that it's actually the aliens are pulling trick on homer which makes me go wait a minute then why do we spend so much time with the other characters homer wasn't interacting with yeah so it's kind of like all three of these stories are it was a dream or not really a dream but you know just something which is funny because uh they do the same punchline many many issues later which Mm -hmm. i maybe they just forgot which uh, happens when you run something for this long pretty much uh, the next story i really like uh, Mm -hmm. catastrophe and substitute springfield written by mark hamill Mark, Great Caesar's Ghost Hamill. Yeah, art by uh, Bill Morrison, of course, mm-hmm. doing his thing. It's a really funny uh, story where Comic Book Man and Frank, uh, Professor Frank, I was going to say Frankiac, because that's the thing that you go to if you want to get... Yeah, yeah. Um, they make a uh, duplicating ray, but it has the side effect of everything that's duplicated uh, eventually degrades into an inferior version of itself. And I love how you see them test that on an issue of Radioactive Man and it eventually degrades into an issue of Happy Little Elves. No! Like, it's still a comic. It's just a worse comic. So it basically turns into the opposite of itself. Or Yes, it, that's it what it is. Yeah, degradation. not degrading, but like... So uh, he uses it on each of the Simpson members of the family and Homer becomes this, you know, like hunky. How would he be like he's drawn in a very specific way? Yeah. Like he's he's like Tom Strong. He feels like some throwback to like uh, sort of older or like a Doc Savage kind of era. And uh, uh, this new uh, character who also has pink skin Mm -hmm. is like. Oh, I wish I had a family of my own. So he zaps all the Simpson family and they all do the opposite. So like Marge is now like a slovenly uh, woman who doesn't want to be a housewife. Lisa is like a sexy, almost Dan DiCarlo style character, like an Archie comic. Yeah, who's uh, like older and dating Snake. Okay, yeah. So the Marge character yeah. definitely looks like someone and I don't know I what that is. I think it's supposed arts- to be a reference. All of these are and I'm, yeah. I'm not quite sure. And then Peanuts. Sure. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, Bart's duplicate is basically like Linus. Yeah. And he's quoting scripture um, and hanging out with Rod and Todd. Uh, Maggie is just herself with pigskin who talks. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. it. That's funny. Uh, and then the aliens get involved, and what they do is they... They create a bottled city of Candor for everybody. For all the duplicates to live in. Yep. Uh, the, you'll, you'll see a lot of Kang and Kodos in all 23 of these issues. Uh, and at the end here, you get a pinup from Dan uh, Brereton, yeah. who you're going to see a lot more of. Uh, I love his stuff. What is it? Is it the Nocturnals, his comic? That's it. Yeah, yeah. I love that comic. Have you ever read it? Oh, not in ages. That's perfect Halloween reading. That would be. Yeah. Next uh, October. Uh, I really like his art, and uh, we will be revisiting it. Okay, I'm getting to the point now. It's like, what issue are we on? Next is eight. Eight. Okay. Mm. Uh, so next, uh, this one, I'm just reading like Hillary Barda, Scott yeah. Shaw, Gail Simone, Ty Templeton, and Jill Thompson. Mm-hmm. Jill Thompson returning. This one is a parody of, oh, Amazing Colossal Man. That's what it is. I haven't seen that. Uh, with the, uh, face that has been ripped off. Mm. This one is really fun. Ty Templeton, who I'm not super familiar with, but he did all of the licensed like Batman Adventures and, uh, sorry, Batman the Animated Series comics. Yeah, I know I've read a lot of his stuff, but like... I, I can't think of anything in yeah. recent years. He has it. it he's on model, but he's kind of doing yeah. interesting stuff. Like, like Bill Morrison does this as well. But there's like a there's an edge to it. I actually really like uh, his first story, Night of the Nineteen Screams, because the joke starts with the opening of The Simpsons and they all die. Yeah. And then uh, Grandpa's like, "Oh wait, I fixed the TV. Oh no, you've been electrocuted and you've all died." And then the next page, he's at their funeral. <laughs> yeah. That's good. And then there's a lot of like good ghost gags yeah. and like homer keeps trying to like uh make other people ghosts or it just happens accidentally and mm-hmm. this is my favorite page in the whole thing where he scares mr burns and mr burns dies of fright yeah and then doesn't want to be alone as ghost and like uh shoots smithers yeah and then <laughs> so smithers is like i'll can... go shoot the dog so yeah. they can be sicked on homer <laughs> yeah 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 it's just kind of like a fun escalation of the premise it's really I... funny well written well drawn which uh, i feel yeah. that these comics don't always have and there's a really funny joke of like lisa uh grandpa can't see them and lisa's like maybe we have unfinished business maybe you have to forgive grandpa and then grandpa's like uh i think jasper shows up he's like hey we switched glasses and grandpa puts his glasses on he's like ah the simpsons he dies <laughs> turns into a ghost and then he's like he can't hear them because he doesn't have his hearing aid yeah yeah <laughs> that's really good oh, that's great uh and then we have a gail simone written story we love gail simone with jill thompson on art this time yep uh, instead of writing another rhyming story for yeah. some reason I like this a lot. Again, it, this one looks, the art is so good. wild. And this is about serial mascot characters coming to life, breakfast cereals, and they're horrifying versions. So you see like a Count Chocula, like vampire and, mm. uh, you know, Frankenberry and the leprechaun and Tony the tiger and the, um, it looks great though. Uh, like Loops I could get thing. some of this art, yeah. like it's posters on This is wall. incredible. And it's just the Simpsons fighting off these breakfast cereal monsters in this really painterly, like few page long story. Mm. And then we have Christine, a parody mm. of Chris. Christine. I, I love this one. Actually, do you know who Scott Shaw is? He's done so much yeah, stuff. Legend of uh, comics and cartoons. And he, he um, doesn't really have his own thing, though. Well, I will always associate him with Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew. Oh, he did a lot of those? He, that he created that oh, and okay. uh, wrote and drew all of it. See, as far I was as looking I him up yeah. on Wikipedia going like, I know this art. I've seen it. He does a lot of licensed stuff. Like, yeah. If you look at his page, it's like, you want some angry orange or no, the annoying orange comics? Like That's what oh, his God. current website is. I'm not sure what with. he's up to today, but 
um, oh yeah, he and Roy Thomas co-created. There you go. Yeah, yeah he did a great job in this. His style. He wrote and drew for is... a Sonic, a Sonic the Hedgehog, the early issues. Oh wow, which is probably where I associate his art with. Okay, so he's kind of like a licensed, kind of like Bill Morrison is jumping from yeah. thing to thing. Uh, did a lot of animation. Very stuff distinct like... style. It's almost like a less squiggly Sergio Aragonese. Yes, that's if absolutely. I could Very to that. dense. Lots of jokes. Yeah. And the joke in this one is that uh, I was like, oh, they're just gonna do like a killer car. Nope. Basically, Homer gets a clown car that turns him into uh, uh, Ed Big Daddy Roth painting. Yes, which You've is seen the, this the rat fink. With the rat yeah. fink, yeah. That was quite a twist. I did not remember that. You know what? I or, knew it was coming because it says, yeah. apologies to Stephen King dedicated to Ed Big Daddy Roth. Oh, I and didn't I was see like, that Why is bottom. it dedicated to... Uh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this one's fun. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. Uh, I really liked um, the one after this uh, illustrated by or co-written by hillary barda and uh co-written by steve sullivan which is basically an abc's oh uh, this is great the lexicon of lurid limericks yeah where they basically i think it's a rhyming thing yep it is and each letter has its own little story and it this is long like i feel like they could reprint this as its own like ghastly children's book or something it's very violent it is so dense and creepy and uh yeah very violent here's homer being stamped to death by an e is for elephant uh it like not even like a horror movie kind yeah. of way is literally just his body is like beaten and mangled and blood is everywhere i'm not familiar <laughs> with uh hillary barda even looking at his uh wikipedia it like he has almost no comic credits for some reason uh like he inked a bunch of stuff he did some what the uh, Elseworlds. Oh, some Plastic Man. Uh, he wrote backups for Fear Agent. But like I'm looking in his bibliography, it says New Mutants, 88 to 91, 93 to 94 as an inker. Oh, he worked in Alpha Flight as an inker? Yeah, uh, but it doesn't seem like he illustrated that much. And his art is so good in this one. Yeah, incredible. Yep. And there's some really funny... Um, oh god sorry i just went to d and it's like oh i know what year this was made of where there's like bin laden is bin- burning in acid <laughs> uh but there's funny like references to simpsons animation in mm-hmm. a way that i don't find like oh you're just showing me something that i already know yeah. but it'll be like e is for elephant and you see like basically stampy killing homer uh you see a lot two hillbilly related ones mm-hmm. uh you see a b- giant bleeding heart attacking all the conservative characters you see zombie mod coming back to eat ned's brains i think she probably would have just died around this time like 2001 mm-hmm. or so uh, uh there's a great panel it's a portal opening and a bunch of alien like demon things coming to um moe's there's a r for radioactive man and it's like a fallout boy's brain is being taken out it's just a great mm-hmm. um thing to end this issue on yeah, phenomenal. So issue number nine, which is Bart Simpson's Treehouse of Horror. On this issue, we have Paul Dini, Ted Naffy, Gary Spencer, Millage, Ian Boothby, and Dan Brereton. Mm-hmm. Some of those are, are uh, house char- uh, house writers, house characters. Yeah, they're characters mm-hmm. of The Simpsons. Yeah, you'll see Ian Boothby pop up a lot. In yeah, he was like and he's the main writer wow. on The Simpsons. Yep. Uh, I love this Lord of the Rings parody at the start. You know I know what I'm like... going to say. Yeah, okay. It's not a horror thing. It's not horror, no. but... Oh, but again, like I said, I think a lot of these might have been intended for one shot. Dan Brereton's art is really good. Dan Brereton, perfect for a Lord of the Rings parody. Mm -hmm. And it's basically just like this very, very like, you know, heavy metal magazine or like Dragon Magazine on brand, like 
you know, Lord of the Rings slice of the Fellowship story and then the Simpsons looking like the Simpsons pop into that universe and just derail everything and get people killed. I think it's a little long. Yeah. But you know what? At 18 pages, that may explain that maybe it was made for like a weird like Simpsons meet Lord of the Rings one shot or something Mm, like that. Might have been. Uh, And then we have the cask of Amatillado. Oh, I love this one. This one is a really good one. Written by Paul Dini, I believe. This is, I mean, this is actually one of my favorite short stories of all time. Like, mm-hmm. I'm always in for Do any. You love the cask. Uh, I Amatillo. love it. There's something that's a uh, gallows humor and cautionary tale. Weirdly, uh, Dan Brereton also illustrated that one, but in a completely different style oh, that wow. he's usually associated yeah, yeah. with. Actually, I didn't remember this as being him. This yep. feels more, a um, little more cartoonish. Mm hmm. Well, he probably just didn't want to do the same thing back to back. So that's cool. Uh, I like that. This is a great post story. I mean, 99% of you probably know it. Uh, The other 1% should look it up and read it. It is a great short story. Yeah, basically, it's just like a guy gets walled up, a jester, if you will. Mm -hmm. This one is that Mo is not a fan of Homer at the moment because Homer's being a jerk. And not paying his bar tab. Yep. There's some really funny gags that kind of plays with what's about to happen. Like Homer lights on fire. Um, There's a pit in the pendulum. Isn't it weird when anyone does a Poe adaptation, they need to include every Poe story (laughs) inside of it. Get it? Get Get it? it? It's Poe. Get it? There's a pit in the pendulum thing. Uh, And basically, Mo uh, ties Homer up behind, starts walling him up behind Mm. the cement wall. And then there's a great panel of Homer seeing that Barney is like a corpse on the wall. Yeah, like Mo has done the same thing to Barney already. Yeah. And uh, there's a fun gag at the end where uh, Mo pulls a lever. He's like, it's just a joke. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and he's then, still in the bar. <laughs> uh, Mo still doesn't like pickled eggs. And then he gets put put in the pit in the pendulum thing. Yeah, yeah. And then we get a very specific parody yeah. of From Hell, the Alan Moore. Uh, and is it Eddie Campbell? Eddie Campbell, yeah. Uh, both of them have little cameos in one panel in this, oh, too. Oh, there we go. Uh, and this is... Uh, but this yeah, does, oddly specific but it also yeah. does what i said i wish more of these stories would do mm-hmm. which is it's just the simpsons characters acting in character but in a different universe so you don't have to like set up like how are we going to do this jack the ripper thing which yeah. is what from hell's about yeah like in how the simpsons do you universe. you're not sure they're not trying to transpose from hell into evergreen terrace in present no. day they are transposing the simpsons characters into the jack the ripper era it does take you from a hell little story. time to figure that out though where yeah. you're like wait a minute huh oh okay and when you mean specific is that they use the like nine panel grid mm-hmm. that from hell uses I wish they had even pushed it a little bit further and there had been like that sketchy style that From Hell has. That would be wonderful. It might be very complicated to do. But the fact that it's like uh, the same sort of panel layout and a lot of like references, references throughout. And like, like compositions of the comic. Yeah. like I haven't read From this Hell is, in a long I time. I want to reread it mm-hmm. very badly. After reading this, like this is really well done. It hits all the key story beats of it. Mm. Uh, let me find where Alan Moore and Eddie Campbell appear in one crowd scene. Um, and very dense yeah. too. Like hundred percent. There, there. The two um, there. Yep. Uh, the before last page, I think. Yeah, where there's yeah. The Stonecutters. Stone uh, yeah, all. uses the iconography of the Simpsons in interesting ways and kind of spins it like stuff that we already know to fit the from hell world mm-hmm. i really need to read from hell i even have that big hardcover with like the from hell companion that came with it uh explaining references and like making of stuff oh i've like never that. read yeah. that version i used to have the one that was it used it was originally printed on newsprint like those marvel essential editions mm. horrible paper stock and i actually rebought it a couple tcafs ago because uh, eddie campbell was there and I just thought, you know Rest what? Rest in peace. He passed away oh, recently. I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. Rest in peace, Eddie Campbell. So I thought, you know, I'll rebuy the new edition, get him to sign it. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those were published in Taboo, which were Stephen R. Brissett's uh, comic anthology, which is like, we're going to do effed up comics. Oh, and wow. uh, the Beguiling recently had like almost the entire 
taboo back catalog sitting on their shelf, but there was like $30 an issue. And I would keep picking it up, putting it down. I went, I, I cannot justify <laughs> this, even though they'll never be republished yeah. because it was, I think, uh, who originally kitchen sink and then tundra and the rights are just too complicated. Okay. But, um, yeah. And that's kind of what kept taboo in print was, uh, from hell serialized from wow, didn't know for a while, for a long time. Uh, so then we go on to number 10. This is the Monsters of Rock issue, as they branded on the covers, uh, with stories by Alice Cooper, Gene Simmons, Rob Zombie, and Pat Boone. <laughs> that Pat Boone one is very odd. It's like, pretty weird. So this one, I feel it's like, hey, can we just put your name on these covers? Yeah. They're like, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah, why not? Um, these are of varying quality. Yes. Uh, I am... Not into this Gene Simmons one. No. At all. But you you love Gene Simmons, the man who has never done anything wrong, right? I don't want to look him up. Uh, Gene Simmons <laughs> has sex with Marge, and then Bart is their son? Yeah, and so he has Gene Simmons' tongue and, like, powers, but it's like, well, the character's powers. I actually and... really like the art yeah, it's, on this. It's done by, uh, I think, Simpson Comics regular, Tone, uh, Tone Rodriguez. Oh, okay. Because the name comes up again and again and again. Yeah, and yeah. This. Uh, and then we have the Legend of Batterface, which is okay. It just takes a while to get going. It's um, supposed to be like a Friday the Thirteenth parody, but it never quite get gets there. Yeah, I love the like style of it in terms of you know kind of uh, copying those Friday the Thirteenth story beats. One thing that I I loved is I didn't notice that Alice Cooper is one of the kids on the very first page. Well, Alice it's Cooper all shows up at of, the end, but then yeah, he's the twist is like it's grown up him and he's the final victim. I thought that was really cool. I, I thought I was okay with this one. I feel that maybe some uh, rules were imposed on them, mm -hmm. like the fact that like there's not really any like stalking sequences because the idea is that Homer he was like humiliated as a child and now he turns into Batterface and he's murdering all the people who made fun of him as a kid. All the deaths happen off screen so you only see like the uh, off panel. Yeah, I thought the camp backstory was the best part and then once it's just Homer It's like we're rushing to the ending. Batter on his face literally yeah. walking around killing people it, it feels a little rushed did you love how like every one of the people whose name they use gets an ad for their stuff oh in yeah the comic? like here's uh, an ad for rob zombies devil's rejects coming in 2005 kids love the devil's rejects yep, they sure do uh house of a thousand donuts uh for this it's clear ty templeton did the writing on i this. thought this was pretty funny i thought this uh, was considering, very funny yeah. like i love a lot of rob zombies later films i'm not a big fan of house of a thousand corpses oh so you love um, like uh wait what are his later films i love, love? Uh, lords of salem oh I really like uh, Lord of Salem too. I I love a lot about Thirty One. There's whole elements of it that I'm like I I can't stand X or Y or yeah. Z, but I love it. Do you a, like B, the Devil's Rejects? Um, not yeah, as much really. as later. So stuff. you don't like the third? Um, Actually, I, that's the only one of his movies I haven't seen. Oh, really? Yeah, it's yeah. not very good. Yeah, not uh, been any any rush to go see. I that. love I like Rob the Monsters Zombie. A lot. Hearing him talking about yeah, yeah. Uh, like stuff he likes and stuff and things like that. I, just, I wish his movies were more fun in that mm -hmm. way. Anyway, oh, I love Halloween too. I love Halloween 2. Actually, I haven't seen Halloween 2. I it like his number so 1 enough. so bananas. But like, I hear number 2 is wild. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I Weird think the story's fine. Halloween 2. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. playing himself. Yeah. I thought this was like kind of fun that he's doing a parody of his own thing. Yeah, House and, of uh, Corpses. Lots of fun gags in and, it. And then the uh, Pat Boone one is very, very weird. Uh, who's the artist on this one? It's not credited at the start or here, is it? Uh, it's probably because of the issues that we're reading at the, they do the credits all at oh, the beginning. Oh, okay. Uh, it is, wow, this is a big issue too. I'm flying through the pages as yeah, I'm talking yeah. right now. It was C. Scott Morse, who I'm not familiar oh, with. Oh, don't know the name. Written by Bill Morse. I really love the art on here. Uh, 
the story I could like give or take. Yeah, uh, it's you know there's camp again, demons and ghosts being summoned. It takes too long to get started. Yeah. We keep saying that. For Papoon this. shows up as himself. <laughs> very to, weird. Uh, save I'm him. not very familiar with Papoon. I don't really know was anything he, about like, him. A Christian singer was his gimmick. Yeah, he had a, well, around this time of this comic or a couple years before he had a big comeback album called In a Metal Mood and it was him doing uh, right because that's songs. why there's an ad for Everybody Dies at the yeah. end this Alice Cooper uh, album that has an ad is awesome The Eyes of Alice Cooper not, that was you know like, what I'm not that familiar uh, with Alice Cooper to be honest oh uh, he's the one of these that I'm the biggest fan of musically oh cool and uh, yeah I'll tell you some stories later well that's it that we're gonna do uh, for today next episode we're gonna jump into Two of my favorite issues of Trios of Horror, mm-hmm. uh, including the next one, which feels like Bill Morrison like using all the cachet that he has to make like the ultimate horror comic. <laughs> so uh, that's what we'll be doing next week. And until then, my name is Justin Clue. I'm Mike Wood. You can email us again at theverifyingcomicbookpodcast at gmail.com. Or add us on Instagram at theverifyingcomicbookpodcast. Ooh. Stay spooky.